Hello everyone and welcome to Sound of Play 128, your weekly Wednesday dose of brilliant video game music from all those games that we've enjoyed over the decades. Joining me, Joshua Garrity, in Sound of Play 128 is the host of so many podcasts. <laughs> um, one of them is uh, Dark Insight, which is just a general video games discussion podcast. Another is Don't Give Up Skeletons, which is an interview-style uh, Dark Souls podcast where you have a different guest every week. Um Days of Future Cast, which is a comedy slash serious examination of the X-Men animated series and uh, related X-Men uh, adaptations. And also Monster of the Week, which is a podcast voc uh, focused on the Supernatural TV series. Is that all of them, Jeremy Greer? That's that's almost all of them. I kind of I, I co-host uh, Radio Free Midworld sometimes with Cole, um, and I just want to give that a shout out because uh, it's a really nice podcast focusing on the Dark Tower series from Stephen King, and uh, that's Cole's doing a great job. He has different guests every week. I should say different hosts every week from a kind of a, a pool of us, and uh, me and my wife are on there quite a bit. So you should go check that one out too. If we're just talking podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I've I've listened to the uh, podcasts on it. Um, they were uh, particularly exceptional. Um, they were really good. Mm -hmm. So um, let's get into it. Um, so we've already heard your first pick, Jeremy. Why don't you talk us through it? Well, it's it's 2018, and uh, the world has changed a little bit since last year, uh, namely in the presence of Near Automata, which uh, came out mm. early in 2017, and uh, now no other video games need to exist. So video games are done, everybody, yeah. and now yeah. it's just Near or and nothing else. So I hope you are spacing those 26 endings out to, to get you to through the rest of the time that you're going to be playing video games, <laughs> because you don't need any other ones. Um uh, Near is a big, uh, I was going to say like a big part of my life, but that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, the, the, since we're specifically talking about the soundtrack, but uh, Near is one of those video game series that's near and dear to my heart. If you'll pardon the pun, um, it, uh, <laughs> playing the original game was such a mind blowing experience for me. Like I just, I didn't know that games could kind of smash genres together that way. I didn't really understand what was happening a lot of the time, but I just, I knew I was doing it to a kind of a kick and rad soundtrack. I was so excited when I heard that there was going to be a follow-up. I was actually a little uh, nervous about it because um, this is, may sound like treason on this podcast. I don't know, but I'm not a huge platinum games fan. Uh, I have, I have not a whole lot of love for the, the Bayonettas of the world or a lot of their video game series. They're fine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure people get a lot of appreciation out of them. Like I'm not taking anything away from it. It's just in my personal taste, they've never really worked for me. So when everybody was kind of chomping at the bit going, Oh, it's going to be Yoko Toru's craziness. But with the gameplay that platinum brings, I was like, well, I just kind of want the former. I don't really need the second. Uh, <laughs> but of course the game has come out and it was incredibly great. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite games from 2017 I don't do game of the year list, uh, so uh, I don't have an opportunity to really talk about like the favorite games that I, I played in 2017. So when you approached me to do this podcast, I was like, well, I'm going to pick games that I have like been talking about for the last two years and make this my miniature game of the year list. So Nier is definitely the first pick on it. I was so glad when uh, Pascal wasn't taken originally. I don't know if you've covered Nier Automata songs on this on this podcast yet or not, but... 
We we have, and it, it is a popular uh, game to draw kind of tracks from. But uh, for whatever reason, you lucked out, and uh, this one hadn't been picked yet. But like, yeah, this is this is a great track. Um, uh, I, for me, like this this track, and and I'll I'll let you kind of expand on the reasons why you've picked it. But um, for me, this this feels like one of the few moments of kind of peace and 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 quiet that the game actually offers in and happiness like this 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 track um evokes so for anyone who doesn't know um mild kind of light uh near automata spoilers but trust me this is nothing compared to what uh, comes <laughs> later on in this game there is um there is this village um in uh in the game in the open world where it's a bunch of robots who have basically defected from um the rest of the 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 machines that you're fighting against they're just a peaceful village um, who are just trying to do their best and look after their kids and, you know, have a good time and just have a lovely, peaceful existence. And their, their leader is uh, a machine called Pascal, um, who loves reading philosophy uh, philosophy, and, and just has a general kind of um, very kind of you know left wing view of the world. Like he believes in com- <laughs> he believes in community and bringing people together and stuff like that. And bec- and this music is the music that plays over the over you know during when you're spending time in his village. And it just becomes this kind of Pavlovian response for me, where once you hear this music, you just relax instantly. You just feel like oh okay, everything's okay here. It's interesting because um, I'm bringing several tracks and three of them are extremely this. They're, they're places that you go in games to relax or they're, they're quiet moments in games. And uh, one of the other ones I picked is a combat, <laughs> like straight up combat. So I didn't, I didn't stick with the theme, uh, but, I, but I agree. This is, this is one of the safest places, one of the most comforting places in, the, in a game that doesn't offer you many comforting places. Even your quote unquote home base, uh, the, the area that you kind of stage your, your missions out of, so to speak, isn't particularly warm. Like it's, it's been ravaged by war there's there's androids that are trying to find pieces and parts of themselves in the world and sending you on side quests but this was the place that actually feels like home for somebody not necessarily you know to be at 9s in fact when you first encounter it uh 9s is extremely <laughs> extremely wary of these robots he thinks that you should destroy them all no matter what without question um and it plays into what Nier does in such an amazing way, which is constantly make you question what you're doing, uh, whether it's from a, mm-hmm. from a story or a gameplay perspective. And just having this area and the first time that you encounter it is it's after a, a big set piece that we won't get into, but um, you kind of drift into this area. The camera is in a fixed location and you sort of spin around this tree i'm assuming that they've kind of built their home around um and these robots are all waving these white flags at you as if to say please don't hurt us we're not we're not like these other robots that are that have gone crazy we we have a civilization here we have little baby robots and and we have sister robots and we have weirdo philosophy spouting robots off to the side that nobody knows what to do with and it's just a again going back to that sense of home or that sense of place that is comforting and as you'll encounter throughout most of the game. And I think that you can, 
you can feel as soon as you start the game uh you're, you're the main character that you play 2b doesn't really have that and isn't necessarily looking for that but i think you as a player kind of are like you want your you want the character that you're playing to to be a little happier than she is so it's it's interesting to see that these robots who you have up to this point only see seen destroy start making a home for themselves and the soundtrack the the song actually i think really reflects that it's a it's a very laid back you know kind of beat it you know it's just kind of nice and the melody is very nice and drifting almost like it's just kind of let you just drift along with it and kind of just nod your head and yeah this is nice and comforting and then uh when the vocals kick in it's it's a very synthesized robotic voice which is reflected you know from the game itself you can almost picture that this community that has grown up around pascal is singing this song to you as you kind of walk around and talk to these robots and um i don't know it's just just very pretty yeah yeah that's that's very much the feeling i got as well that that there's a uh kind of childlike quality to the vocals which makes me feel like you know this is the song that the kids sing to themselves as they're playing in the in the kind of garden area they've set up for them um and later on you get you know there's a slide there and you know it it really feels like this kind of childlike innocence and and you know a want to preserve this happier time in their lives um and because so much of the game is examining um, the kind of negative, uh, the negative aspects of humanity that the machines kind of pick up from us. It's great to have at least one area of the world where it's like actually humans aren't all that bad, and there is some stuff that these these guys can learn from us that is beneficial and is not going to drive them insane. Like, it, it is actually <laughs> going to be positive and constructive in their lives. And it just having that piece of hope, it's a small piece in, in this game because this game is quite, you know, pessimistic in a lot of ways. But having that little bit of optimism of like, you know, we could, you know, we could actually build something great if we wanted to, but just the rest of the world kind of ruins it for us. <laughs> um, and I, I don't want to people go play near automata like I, you've had a long time to play it now but seriously if you haven't played it um go play it but there there are revelations and 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 plot um the plot goes in a direction with Pascal's village and the people who live there that is really really um emotionally uh, emotionally affecting for me uh, it just really really punched me in the gut um there's a sequence in the third um everyone knows about the multiple playthroughs but there's a sequence in the third playthrough which uh sticks with me really haunts me absolutely and thinking about that song or excuse me this song in that context is also particularly affecting for me yeah. as well and because when you come back here and um you're you're kind of You've, you've weathered all of these these things that the game is throwing at you and you st- the same song is still playing like it feels it feels a little faker at that point because you you've, you've realized some some truths um but there's there's also uh when you before you did get to that before you get to the the kind of real emotional things the i really like it too that this is a particular area from the game where you get some of the most human side quest from the one that sticks in my mind is uh, mm. somebody looking for their sister, like their sister went out and, you know, went to the desert or somewhere. And 
um, and again, this yeah. this is a side quest, so I'm not I don't I don't want to particularly like spoil this entire game or anything. I'm not going to do that. But uh, when you go and you find the sister, as you do in a video game, the sister starts questioning you about how kids are made <laughs> and things like that, which is a very human child thing to do. And I think that's what they very specifically do. And your your player characters, nine S and your and two B, you're they, they kind of have this conversation of like, well, you need to take care of this, just like a mom and dad would with a precocious child. And I find that really interesting. Like, no, there's really not another place in the game where the side quests get that, they get at the heart of what it is to be human in such a way. Yeah. And I think she even asked, like, where does wind come from and things like that? Like, just asking some real fundamental building blocks of, of questions that you know that somebody yeah. that would just that was you know given knowledge as if you were an android or somebody that was that has you know been around for a while like in you know in their mid-30s or something would just not even question anymore because it's just been around that long who cares so that, that's that's really powerful for me and uh yeah that's it's 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 probably not my favorite song in the soundtrack um but it's when i was putting this list together it's as i was listening through the soundtrack uh i'd it was the one that called out to me the most. It was the one that I wanted to talk about the most. Like, I think that you could, we could sit here for probably a good 30 minutes and discuss the lyrics of weight of the world. And I think that there's some, there's some value in that, yeah. but really everyone's going to cry to that song. That's played this, this played this game. <laughs> like everybody, like that's, that's, that's kind of a gimme to me right now. So, uh, and that's no offense. Like it's a beautifully written song. I love it. And it's, it's great. But I, this is, the, this is the track that really spoke to me when I wanted to come out of this. Yeah. Let's move on to a pick from our community. Um, so this is from the game um, Final Fantasy VII, which uh, is another one of those games that's uh, popular on Sound of Play. Uh, tracks from this have uh, popped up on various uh, editions of Sound of Play uh, in the past. But this track is called Weapon Raid. It is, of course, composed by Nobuo Uematsu, um, so this track plays over the sequence where um, the, uh, I forget which weapon it is, but it is one of the weapons, starts to attack the city of uh, Juon in uh, Final Fantasy VII. And uh, they're, you know, they're launching everything they can. Um, of course, they Juon's famous for having like this massive uh, cannon attached to the city. They fire at that, the weapon has no effect. They start firing machine guns at it, but it's charging at the city and they can't do anything about it and all this drama is happening with your main party as well Tifa's slapping somebody if I remember correctly um, there's like this weirdly long sequence where Tifa and somebody else are slapping each other um, Cloud is just running about fighting people there's loads of drama loads of stuff going on and this track kicks in when the uh, when um, the kind of first kind of CG cutscene for this sequence starts and the weapon is kind of really barreling towards the city. Um, this pick was uh, by uh, to, uh, Todinho from the forum. He kept it short and sweet, um, his post. Um, I really didn't know how to feel about these giant Godzilla monsters when they <laughs> are first revealed in the game, but the moment they appear and this theme played, I was sold.
Well, that was uh, Weapon Raid from Final Fantasy VII. Um, Jeremy, have you uh, got any experience of Final Fantasy VII, a fan of the soundtrack at all? So uh, I, for whatever reason, when this game came out and was so huge, I, I just chose not to play it. I don't I don't know what I was doing at this time. I think I was um, a too cool for school PC gamer when the PlayStation was coming out. So I, was, I wasn't playing any kitty games anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I wasn't, I was probably 16 or 17. So forgive me if I'm, you know... <laughs> Uh, yeah. so I never, I've never actually played final fantasy seven. Uh, I've, I've started the game oh, wow. and I played, uh, when the PS4 version came out, not the, obviously not the, the remake that's been, that's probably never going to come out, but like when they just ported it to the PS4, um, and had a blast. Mm. I was streaming that on a regular basis for a few hours, um, every week and was having a good time with it. Um, and loved the music, absolutely adored the music. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff that people talk about with this game, I don't think really holds up as well in the original version for me personally, coming at it as a, as a new player. Um, the dialogue seems all over the place <laughs> and the characters yeah. seem all over <laughs> the place and just, uh, everything that was revolutionary about the, for this, about this game. And you know, whenever it came out, like I'm sure I, th- I want to say it was 95, 96, 97, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, you have it right here. So it's 1997. Was, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm a child of the nineties. So I was seven, uh, when this game came <laughs> out. Um, so I, I didn't, um, I didn't play it at the time either. Um, this was something I didn't, come to until about 2003 2002 i was kind of like early teens um and i i absolutely fell in love with it and it is a game in you know retrospect where i'm like yes this is aged pretty badly and the dialogue is not good and if if anything like you know with all these remake 
this you know the remake coming and all, all of that stuff i i i don't know if i need this game to be kind of upgraded to more modern visuals what i would love is just somebody to relocalize the uh the uh the script just to, just to punch it up a bit so it's not quite as um ridiculous uh, um as it is in the kind of the original version um i and yeah it but it's it's become a title where it's almost impossible for me to remove my rose tinted glasses i i i can acknowledge all the flaws that people coming to it late uh, talk about i think you know the the uh, the visuals are really inconsistent like going from chibi people to um the kind of anime style and combat and then like having that with the cutscenes where sometimes they're chibi people and then sometimes they're full anime people that that doesn't really work and and all of that stuff but the one thing for me that has aged well is Nobuo Uematsu's soundtrack. Um, I, I mean, I think pretty much all of his soundtracks for Final Fantasy have been great. Um, but um, because this was my first Final Fantasy, and you're always going to remember your first experience of a series, um, it's this soundtrack stuck with me. And this track in particular was really memorable for me. It's not; it wouldn't be among my favorites, but in terms of like evoking a scene, um, it does kind of uh, you know spark that imagery in my head and I do one thing I noticed kind of listening to it again is I really love the the use of um kind of Sephiroth's leitmotif not one winged angel um those chosen to rule the planet which is Sephiroth's actual theme song um just kind of peppered in there as well um uh, just slightly faster paced but kind of um kind of evoking the same threat um in these weapons that Sephiroth does um later on there's not really much in the terms of a thematic link there uh, which is a bit weak on uh, Uematsu's part but still I kind of like that that use of that track because we're so used to it meaning danger in the case of Sephiroth um yeah I I, I really like it and that's a good pick from Tadinio thank you very much I love the uh, the da 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 like the that as you were describing the scene that this was set to. Since I've never seen it before and I've only listened to this on via YouTube, where it doesn't show me anything in the game, I could I could definitely see these giant weapons facing off with each other and see the the drama that the song would would invoke on that backdrop. So very good pick. I, I like this song a lot. Right before we move on to my pick, Jeremy, we need to get something out of the way. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> So if anyone follows me on Twitter, um, and if you didn't, uh, here's an update for you. Um, I posted, uh, I need help creating a GIF, <laughs> but I don't have the skill to create it. Um, if, uh, if it helps bring anyone out of the woodwork, it's Jeremy Greer related. <laughs> um, so the intent was to create this GIF to coincide with this podcast going out on everyone's feed um, as it was announced. So let me talk, Jeremy, let me talk you through what was going on in my head. So you're on a lot of podcasts, Jeremy, mm-hmm. right? You're you're on quite a few. People take the mick out of you quite a lot for being on all these podcasts. You could say that you're a lord of podcasts <laughs> and I... <laughs> have summoned you to come on to Sound of Play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So um, there's a scene in The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, where Gandalf summons Shadowfax, the lord of all horses, to his side. <laughs> and I couldn't get the image of my face plastered on Ian McKellen's and your face plastered on this white horse, me summoning you and saying... Jeremy Greer, Lord of Podcasts. <laughs> and it's just, it was ridiculous, but it just, it, it struck me as really funny. And then I had the thought of like Legolas, kind of his little kind of uh, thing he says over Gandalf's shoulder. shoulder. Um, is that one of the duck feed? Unless my uh, <laughs> eyes are tricked by some one spell. of the duck feed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I was very excited to hear what you had you had in store because when you tweeted that, I, I retweeted it because there's some um, there's some of my friends online are, are are GIF experts and they, as you said, take the mick out of me um, quite a bit. Just recently, my head was photoshopped on a uh, almost naked body of Jensen Ackles from the TV show Century Supernatural and then placed on a shower curtain. So, so this this kind of thing happens more often than you might think. So if anybody out there actually creates this, definitely send it to me and, and, and let me know because I am I am enthusiastically interested in this because that sounds hilarious. Yes. Please, please do it. Thank you. Whoever whoever does that, please, please do that. Right. Okay, so it's time for my pick um this is from chrono trigger another popular game on sound of play um the track is uh guardia castle uh composed by yasunori mitsuda and uh nubu uh, uomatsu again the reason why i picked this track um is sometimes um there's music that evokes characters that evokes moments um but in this case, I just think it's a great piece of music. Um, it's full of energy. Um, it really um, it, it comes at a point in the story where the characters are still optimistic. Lavos isn't really a big deal at this point. We're still just going on a a wacky time traveling adventure. And yeah, it's just kind of an early hint at how great the soundtrack's going to be. It's it's quite close to the beginning of the game that this track first plays. It's I just I think it's full of energy and um and I love it and it pumps me up. There's no mistaking a Chrono Trigger song, is there? Like I think that no. that soundtrack has just burned onto my brain, and I've I've played Chrono Trigger so many times and. This song in particular, I've always thought is way better than it has any right to be, uh, because yeah. a lot of times these castle themes will be kind of what it is at the very beginning, like a like almost a marching rhythm, and you're you know supposed to invoke you know visions of soldiers or knights or kings or queens or what have you. Uh, but then you have all these interesting melodies that occur throughout the song uh, on top of that, and it they almost come from nowhere, and every time they do it, it takes me by surprise, and I'm always immediately i can just picture myself at playing this game and listening to this and on, on all like 12 tvs that i've played it on throughout my lifetime right starting from you know the old crts back when i was a kid and i this it just transports me every single time and it's that's true about all of the chrono trigger soundtrack uh when i was listening to this when you sent me the show notes to show me that this was going to be in here i, I listened to it several times and i'd listened to the soundtrack just by itself quite a few times but 
listening to this four or five times in a row really brought out how how special it is with those melodies in the middle it, it could just be a basic song without that it could just be just a normal video game like this is the background of what you're doing but when those kind of hopeful strings kick in towards the middle and it gives you that yeah that like sense of light and purpose almost that may be a little too dark tower yeah. but i've been reading a lot of dark tower so excuse <laughs> me but uh um it really does it, it fills you with a sense of 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 purpose i think and it's just just yeah it it just fits this area and this game so perfectly this is uh guardia castle from chrono trigger
Jeremy, we're back with one of your picks. Um, and this is from a game that, unfortunately, I haven't found the time to play, even though everyone tells me <laughs> I need to play it. Um, a friend of the show, um, Sean Bell, um, uh, th- this this is a game that he constantly recommends, especially uh, for the ending, which I've still managed to not get spoiled for me somehow, but everyone talks about the ending of this game. So, Jeremy, uh, why don't you uh, introduce us? So this is, the, uh, this is a song from Dragon's Dogma. Um, the only, the only title for this that I found was combat. And, uh, this was composed by, and I'm apologies in advance if I, if I incorrectly say these names, uh, Tadayoshi Makino, Inozor, Kami Ishii, and Rei Kondo. Um, it's basically whenever you enter in any sort of combat in Dragon's Dogma while you're in the open world, this kicks in. And I wanted to, to bring it up because, uh, like you, Josh, I hadn't played this game until recently. Uh, the PS4 version came out. The remake, if you will, uh, came out this year, I think, or in, in 2017. And as, as being known as kind of a Dark Souls guy, as having a Dark Souls podcast, as getting started and you know, in having an online presence with Dark Souls-related stuff, every single person ever has told me that I should play this game. And my initial experience with it originally on PS3 was horrible. I hated everything about it. <laughs> I thought it was clunky and bad and I didn't understand. And looking back, it was only because I was so deep into Dark Souls that I just couldn't play any other games. I had that Dark Souls-itis yeah. that gets everybody, I think. Um, however, many years past this, uh, picking up this game... And really, really coming into my own with it. I, I absolutely adore this game. I'm going to be one of those people that, that tell you, you, you have no excuse not to go play this. Um, I, okay. And it's, <laughs> it's, it is fantastic. Uh, it's, it's worth the time and the effort. It's, it's a little bit clunky in places. Uh, I chose this song because this is something that you're going to hear a lot. There's, there's probably better tracks on the soundtrack. Uh, in fact, I know there are. The, anything from the DLC is, is actually stellar and amazing. The, uh, this particular song starts up, as I mentioned, every time you have combat, which can happen at any time. Uh, you and your and your party, which are uh, three pawns, and a pawn is um, basically a, a a mutual friend, <laughs> if you so to speak. Your your online friends will create these pawns, and they they follow you around, but they also will go into your other friends' worlds and teach them how to do quests or you know get materials for you and come back. Uh, for all intents and purposes, it's just a squad. But you can be roaming around and all of a sudden this music kicks in and it's a slow like kind of it's immediately fills you with a sense of dread. And it could be something as simple as a wolf. It could be something terrifying like a a hydra out of nowhere or not a hydra, a griffin comes out of nowhere, uh, which is one of the most memorable things that happened to me. I was right outside the main castle. I walked outside. This music started. I started spinning the camera around trying to figure out what my target was and uh there was just a griffin and it just fl- had flown down and it wasn't even messing with me, Josh. It was just getting a cow and flying off with the cow, <laughs> but it terrified me. And of course my, my first reaction was to, Oh my God, I have to kill it. And, the, and it just wiped the floor with me because I had no idea what I was doing, but it's, it's this kind of, uh, this, this, this sort of, of track that you would normally get bored of. I think in a lot of games, uh, with, if they, continually rely on the same music over and over again when you get into combat but this really really worked for me there is a skill in creating an effective battle theme because it has to be something that 
you don't mind listening to over and over again, but at the same time isn't kind of like dull background music that um, isn't kind of evoking what's going on on screen, you know, the action that's happening on screen. Um, and it's something that few, you know, few games pull off. Um, I, I, you know, I listened to this track um, before we got on uh, got on the call, and yeah, I, I really like it. I think it it strikes a good balance of kind of having that energy and having that sense of threat without kind of being, you know, overwhelming. Um, uh, Dra- Dragon's Dogma has some really good. I think it had, you know. Based on what I've seen, I've only played um, the opening hours of it. Um, uh, it has some good sound design um, in terms of the weapons and the beasts and stuff like that, and you want some of that to kind of come through. And um, this is me imagining, but based on kind of the pace of it and, and you know the the way it's orchestrated, it feels like it leaves room for that. It leaves room for the sound design to come through and kind of add um, add to the soundscape in of itself without uh, needing to lean on the lean on the soundtrack. It's it's a good piece. So this is uh, combat from Dragon's Dogma. So we have another pick from the community. This is from Fez. Um, the track is Continuum uh, by Disasterpiece. Um, Alison Sharpless uh, via email says, My two biggest hobbies are gaming and playing classical piano. So on the occasion that the two combine, I get extremely excited. I was listening to the soundtrack for Fez by Disasterpiece for the first time recently, and when I got to the track Continuum, I froze and shivers went through my body as I realised it is essentially an electronic interpretation of Frederick Chopin 
Japan's haunting prelude in E minor. After listening to some of his other music, it seems that Disaster Piece sometimes takes influence from classical music, and I think it's fascinating that he can apply it to the medium of video games. So this is Continuum by Disaster Piece from Fez. Jeremy, um, are you a fan of Fez? Josh, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I feel bad because <laughs> oh. I haven't played Final Fantasy VII or, or Fez. I, I actually I have a little bit of history with this game. I was, I think like a lot of people, I was extremely excited about this game and the, the p- possibilities that it promised in the, the original trailers and things like that. And um, when it first came out, I believe it was an Xbox exclusive, if I remember right. Like I think this was kind of the heyday for Xbox Live arcade games. Uh, yeah. Shortly yeah, after Braid like, yeah. and, and all of that stuff. Uh, this I was I really liked the art style, but there was something about the gameplay that just completely left me cold. And uh, the more that I investigated in it, because um, I kind of have this weird policy with games where I, I want to go in as blind as possible until I start losing a little hope, and then I'll start looking up to see like what it's actually in there to get me in. And when I realized it was kind of this weird mystery almost community project that they they had released on the world it just turned me off cold altogether because it was one of those things where i'll never be able to do this myself so i don't i don't care about it anymore uh however 
the soundtrack to Fez is some of my favorite stuff ever. <laughs> I'd never really listened to this song extremely, extremely closely until I read this description from uh, Allison. And uh, going back to this and then the track that she mentions is is really impressive. And it just makes me it just makes me love the soundtrack all the more for. I, I can very much appreciate hiding secrets in games and this feels like it's almost a secret in a soundtrack, which is not something that people do often, or at least that I'm not aware that happens very often. So this, this feels like a nice Easter egg to students of classical uh, music. And on top of that, it's just a, a very soft and pleasing tune to listen to. Yeah. A disaster piece is increasingly um, one of my favorite composers. Um, uh, so he composed this, but also Hyperlight Drifter, which I think also has a really great kind of electronic soundtrack. But also in the world of film, um, It Follows, which is one of my favorite oh, wow. uh, that is, horror movies uh, of recent man, years. Man, I, I did not put that together until just now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's such a such a great yeah. movie and such a great soundtrack. Yeah, like this, this I, you know, like you, this wasn't a track that... Um, um, I had listened to a lot in the past, but it is great. And but Fez, the Fez soundtrack in general is is really fantastic. Um, and I, I really like Fez. Um, I like all that stuff you described about it being a weird community project. I love that stuff mm-hmm. about it. It's um, it became um, and I, I think because I was at the, I was in my early twenties, so I had enough free time to dedicate to something like that where it was about kind of communicating and and uh, seeing if people had picked up clues and um and all of that stuff and decoding the 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 uh the uh, language in the game which i you know rightfully i understand why that puts people off like you hear well there's a whole language in the game that you have to decipher in order to solve any of the, some of the puzzles later on you're like uh no thank you but like i was i was you know i had enough time to dedicate to that stuff and i and i uh, you know honestly had a great time doing it and uh yeah that's fez jeremy Another pick of yours, and this is another game from 2017. Um, why don't you take it away? This is uh, New Heights in El Machino. Uh, this is by El Horvo. You may recognize El Hor- Horvo's name. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably definitely not. Uh, but uh, he is uh, one of the artists and musicians behind Hotline Miami. So uh, a lot of that, a lot of music and a lot of the art that you've seen related to that game is, is by this guy. Uh, he did most, if not all, of the soundtrack for steam world dig two which just came out on various platforms uh this is yet again as i mentioned earlier this is another kind of home base type song so uh steam world dig if you're not familiar with it is a is you know you're a robot you're trying to mine some gems and uh you go back to town and you sell those gems and then you get to go get to upgrade your you know tools or whatever so you can go you know dig up those gems a little bit better uh, so that's the basic premise. There's something just really, really pleasant about this song. And again, when it video games in 2017, Josh, I don't know if this is this was true for you, but for me, we're very much of an escape from the world around us. Uh, for me, yeah. And so yeah. The, these tracks of a, pl- a nice, safe, pleasant place that I could I could hang out in, um, and you would hear it over and over again. It starts off very nicely, and then a kind of a, a beat kind of comes in a little bit behind it, which I think is is very nice. Um, it's just it's just good. <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard for me to describe. It's, 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 it's just, it's got so many different layers to it and it's, it's a lot more complex than you would expect from just a normal 
like home base village theme uh and that's the game too yeah have you, have you played this yet at all yes i i have mm-hmm. i i picked it up on switch and and it's been uh giving me company on commutes um yeah i i really like the soundtrack i, I think the thing that struck me um, most was how atypical this music is for the genre. Um, it doesn't feel like something I would, you know, listen to as part of a kind of 2D platformer, uh, mining, uh, Metroidvania. Steamworld Dig is actually a lot more complicated than uh, I think a surface read uh, uh, would lead you to believe. But yeah, it, it, it just, when I think 2D platformers, I think of something a bit more kind of exaggerated and a bit more um, lively and, and, and over the top. But this is quite kind of, smooth and subtle and um yeah and it and it's a pleasant kind of contrast i i like that it's different and i like that it's doing something a bit more uh interesting where you know you know it'd be you could see a very easy version you know a very easy uh version of this um you know would be just kind of a clinky clunky oh it's yep. the mining town yeah you you can in a, a and a lesser game would do that but here that that you know i i love that they're doing something a bit more creative and uh, again just so, to just to hammer the point home of uh this the hidden complexities like you you mentioned this and i wanted to i wanted to talk about it as well the the game at, at a glance you would think oh you're just you're just mining and then upgrading so you can mine better but the, the, there are probably six or seven completely discrete different areas that all have their you know different not even layouts but you know different fauna <laughs> different ecosystems yeah, that yeah. you have to deal with different enemies yeah. it uh it becomes much more of a like to me this is this is one of the better single player games that i played in 2017 it had a great story that took me on a wild com- completely crazy journey and i was a big fan of the original and the original had uh, inkling of that but they really refined this this down in this and the song i think reflects that this is new heights in el machino from steamwell dig 2 
Okay, another one of mine. Um, this is from Shovel Knight, and God help me, I am going to get every Shovel Knight <laughs> track on Sound of Play. Um, so this is High Above the Land, uh, composed by Jake Kaufman. Um, this is the music that plays during Propeller Night stage. Um, and the reason why I love this track um, is that I I really love it when music perfectly conveys what it's about. Um, I talked about the Guardian theme in Breath of the Wild and how the kind of mechanical, repetitive nature of that track kind of created this kind of emotionless killing machine in your head without even seeing the image of the Guardian kind of chasing you across Hyrule Field. And I love this track because it feels like you're soaring. It feels like you're flying above it all. You're you're going ever upwards and you're just seeing the majesty of, you know, Shovel Knight's kingdom and and this stage is beautiful. Like anyone who's played Shovel Knight knows that even though you're about to fight, you know, one of the Order of No Quarter, um, this there's a lot of color and 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 fun to be had in in this this stage, the flying machine stage. Um, yeah, and I I just generally again like Shovel Knight soundtrack is up there with you know my favorite soundtracks of all time. I I think Jay Kaufman has done done an exceptional job of injecting every single um every single stage um of shovel knight with its own unique flavor um and also doing a great job of not just kind of like even though it evokes the period that shovel knight is inspired by it still stands alone like high above land is evoking that era but it's still its own thing it's still uniquely shovel knight and i love that about um the music in this game i, I love this track uh shovel knight is one of these uh victims of just a a modern busy video game schedule i've, I've bought it twice and convinced that i was going to sit down <laughs> and play it and every single time something happens and I, I never get through the first more than the first couple of stages but the the soundtrack and if you're listening gary butterfield i'm sorry i'll get to it i promise <laughs> gary's gonna crucify me on days of future cast if he listens to this i just know um but it's it, it's it's an ext- like I, I get everything that you're saying from it the the i haven't seen this stage in question but just listening to it it makes me think of flying high and you know super mario world for the super nintendo and those those crazy you know you would just start flying through the sky and and it's just everything the soundtrack does just seems to convey like you're, that you're an awesome person and you're doing awesome things. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> I feel kind of bad for making it that simple, but uh, I just it, every time I listen to it, I just I just get jazzed up. I almost can't listen to it in my car because I start driving too fast. It's one of those. I don't know if you have music like that or, or but yeah, that's it's definitely one of those tracks for me. This is High Above the Land from Shovel Knight.
This um, next one from uh, from you, Jeremy, is a game that I haven't played, but listening to this track makes me want to play it. Um, and by the way, Jeremy, I really like that you've picked uh, a bunch of really atmospheric kind of chill music. Um, usually I go straight for the kind of, you know, energetic, big, bombastic tracks. And it's been great for, you know, to have a guest on who's going to, you know, picking the calmer, more laid back tracks. And and this is definitely one of them. Um, why don't you talk about the, the game this is from? So this is Alone With You, um, which is a self-described sci-fi romantic adventurer game, <laughs> which is a lot to take in on the surface level. Uh, it's it's a very it's a it's a relatively short game. Uh, it's I got teased by this. I want to say it was Patrick Klepik posted a, a short little video, and the video is from when your main character, which is a, a robot looking guy. Uh, you, you don't really know what you are at the beginning of the game. Um, you're just a person that's been on this kind of destroyed base. Every time you go out from the base into another area to explore and to try to figure out what happened, you get this very quick uh, cutscene um, where you you jump in the car and it, the, the thing junks down and goes and it it was just it was it was me all over the place it was my aesthetic perfectly so i took i was immediately interested and i bought the game and started playing through it and it is exactly what it's described as it's a sci-fi adventure game with a lot of romance stuff kind of built on top of it this track is called comms relay by Ever steins Ever steins did all of the uh soundtrack to this game um and it's 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 extremely good um the, the the structure of the game as i mentioned you you have a home base and you were trying to figure out exactly what happened on this colony that you were trying to build so there's different various areas that you need to go into explore that were all kind of headed up by one person um so comms relay is headed up by this woman I f- forgive me i don't remember her name it's been a few it's been several months since I've played. Uh, but So as you explore this level, uh, and the comms relay tower is this four or five story tower, as you might imagine, that's been overgrown and broken apart by whatever storm came through and demolished everything. And as you're exploring it, you're picking up this this short story that you'll eventually find out was written by the woman that was there that's extremely affecting, that is, makes you think, like, what is happening in this game? And your, your mission is to explore this thing and to try to get it up and running so that you could try to put together um, a SOS call into space or a, you know, some sort of, or get enough material so that you can get an escape pod going so that you can get off this planet before everything bad happens, happens. Um, and in the process, you, when you go back to your home base, the romantic part comes in because you're, you're kind of capturing some of these people's personality via AI. And you're, you're, you're talking to them what the AI has captured from them, which was happened, which was everything right up until the great catalysm or whatever. And, uh, talking about with them, what talking about, excuse me, talk about what you find with them and with this AI counterpart. And as you might imagine, it, it delves into some very emotional territory. Uh, it's, it's very light on the gameplay. The adventure elements of this seem are, are pretty basic you know you're fine you're picking up stuff and you're using it in other places to solve puzzles and things like that this particular track is very haunting it's it was the first area that i went to in the game you kind of you, you can you can pick from i want to say three right at the start and i just co- chose this for no real reason and it it really affected me like it was exploring this communication tower that was 
demolished and you know elevators are out of service so i'm going up through stairs and things like that and this very very plinky um when i played this for my co-host at monster of the week chris uh he uh because i was having him vet my my picks before i came on the show he said that this reminded him almost of an asmr video which i thought was a pretty accurate comparison when i thought about it like it's very it's meant to make you know the the goosebumps rise on your on your on your arms i think and i think it's very good at that so this is comms relay from alone with you Thank you. 
Okay, everyone, we're almost done, and uh, Jeremy has one last pick to play us out, but uh, let's get all the admin out of the way. So, listeners, you may have noticed um, that the Patreon and the way that we're kind of uh, distributing um, Kane and Rince episodes is slightly different for this volume. Um, so it's just worth explaining that. Basically, all that's happening is those who are signed up for the Patreon will get early access to uh, Kane and Rince podcasts. So, for example, if you're excited for uh, the podcast on Res, which is coming out February 5th, um, which if you're a Sound of Play listener, that's probably you know a podcast that you want to listen to. If you sign up um, and become part of our Patreon, and it doesn't have to be that much you can donate a little bit of money that's all you know all we ask and uh, you'll get it a week early uh, the 29th of January um so yeah so worth letting you know about the uh, changes on Patreon i hope everyone uh, will welcome it with open arms please venture over to our forum canandrince.com/forum or twitter at canandrince uh, make sure to use the hashtag, hashtag SOP, or please wander over to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash We have one of them too, um, to make your recommendations. Um, we have a huge list of community uh, selections, and we will hopefully get through them all. But if you want to make a suggestion, please use uh, any of those free uh, outlets. Um, and also please subscribe to Sound of Play uh, on iTunes or leave us a review or rating. Um, I would like to thank uh, Jeremy for joining us uh, on this Sound of Play. Um, Jeremy, would you like to plug any of your uh, shows or activities online? Sure. Uh, first off, thank you very much for allowing me to guess. This has been an absolute blast and a privilege. I I enjoy all of the Kane and Rince podcasts that are out there. and uh, I, I listen to primarily the main podcasts about video games, of course, and uh I think I've told you this before. I think I told you this on the episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton we recorded. But uh, if I had heard Game Rents before I joined a just a Dark Insight, which is the video game kind of general talk video game podcast, I probably wouldn't have done it. I probably would have been like, those guys got it. <laughs> These guys are, are the experts. <laughs> I, I'm good. <laughs> so you guys do wonderful work. And I want to give you guys a big shout out for that. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I'm I Basically, I'm thanking you for praising me. So <laughs> let's pretend I wasn't going to do that. And I'll let you uh, carry on speaking sorry if you uh if you enjoyed this uh, you'll probably enjoy some of my other podcasts uh as as josh mentioned at the top of the show i do uh podcasts on a variety of subjects uh josh is guested on don't give up skeleton which is my dark souls interview podcast we have a, a new guest every single week which has been crazy and cool and this year has been has been crazy and, and that podcast has grown way farther than i thought it would so uh that's that's good if you like dark souls bloodborne or demon souls armored core or anything from software that's that's the podcast to listen to and then uh, i cover a couple of tv shows when the x-men animated series and various x-men related movies uh for Duckstream, we just recorded um an episode on x-men origins wolverine and josh i know i know you're an x-men fan have you seen origins recently yeah oh man um, that's a that's a movie <laughs> it's 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 a weird it's a weird one for me because um like 
I, in my memory, I, I trick myself into thinking actually it wasn't it wasn't that bad, and then I watch it again and go, yeah, no, this is at the bottom of the barrel, definitely uh, rubbing shoulders with Apocalypse and and you know X Men Three is a better movie by comparison, and I don't say that lightly. Um, there's some just at least like X Men Three is entertaining. Wolverine Origins is just a massive snooze fest for the majority of that runtime so yeah um, which is i don't i don't envy you and gary it's an impressive thing to say that a movie is a snooze fest when uh, wolverine jumps off of a motorcycle onto a helicopter and explodes it and it's still boring yeah. somehow <laughs> yeah uh but definitely go check that out this days of future cast.com and then monster of the week dot cool is my supernatural podcast we cover uh every, all things hunk related if you like hunks shooting ghost or hunks having emotional problems with other hunks that is the place to go to me and my host uh co-host chris Mosier, do that and uh it's all good you can find all of that on my twitter feed at jg greer i just like to underline the days of uh future cast uh recommendation um it's honestly become an absolute highlight for me um every time it p- uh, pops up in my sub- uh, podcast subscriptions it's uh it's it's a must listen um it's it's a laugh riot and if you have any affection for x-men and x-men related things i think it's a must listen absolutely top marks from me um so jeremy we've got your last track please take it away so this is going to be the track winter the wind can be still by eric barone Barone? Barone? I'm not quite sure. This is from the video game Stardew Valley by Concerned Ape. I think Stardew Valley was probably one of the biggest success stories in gaming over 2016, 2017 for me. Uh, I know this game has been around for a little bit longer than that, but that was when it finally hit consoles, and that was where I have um, started my addiction. And uh, the the game has this interesting structure uh, where when the season changes, it dramatically changes the landscape of the game. And the first time this happens is when, you know, you start in spring and then obviously summer follows and you wake up one morning and the sun has basically burned all of your crops and you're like, Oh my God, what has happened where are all my turnips and why can't I plant them anymore? Uh, and it's a shocking moment. And by the time fall comes around, you, you have been living in the summertime for quite some time. So it's, and you, but you remembered you, 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 you remembered what happened the first time. So now you're preparing for that day 28 for that fourth week. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, what crops can I plant for the fall? But even then, even having done gone through this twice, when I woke up on the first morning of winter, the first time I played Stardew Valley and walked outside and everything was this serene landscape, uh, snow covering everything and just not dead, but dormant and cold and beautiful and I, I just stood there and kind of looked on, and, and this is a 2D cartoonish game. Everyone has probably seen a, a screenshot of <laughs> Stardew Valley at this point, but even with that sort of format, I stopped and said, oh, wow, like what, this is, this is beautiful. This is, so, and just wandered the town and the surrounding areas listening to all of the winter tracks. But this one particular, in particular, was the one that I remember playing when I first walked out and it was so cold and, and kind of lonely. I've got a quote from uh, the developer, uh, who who basically who said that who said that th- he was going for a lonely cold and majestic great frozen monuments loom in the distance like this was the atmosphere that he was he was looking for which i find 
it's just it's so evocative of that. And I think as you listen to this and you you can close your eyes and you can picture a completely ice covered landscape, you can you can get the idea of what makes Stardew special and, and why it's not just another farming simulator. Fantastic. So to play us out is uh, winter. The wind can be still from Stardew Valley, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye everyone. Thank you.